0: Hi right, everybody, how you doing? It's uh, Mr. Scotty Mack. I'm here at uh, the Myriad and Bre-Siege pre-release, the regional one here for Toronto. I'm here with uh, John Smithers, who is uh, our recent Grand Prix Toronto champion and newest inductee into the premium writing cast of uh, Star City Games. So uh, I've also got with us the, uh, <laughs> the always game Dance uh, on Twitter, so uh, I'm going to let them say hello. Hey guys. Hey guys, how's it going? So uh, we're all done, kind of last flight to wrap it up, and we're just kind of sitting around chilling. and uh, I thought I'd just grab these guys for some time to just kind of get your thoughts. Um, We'll start with you, John. What do you think of the season as a whole? How do you think it's, uh, I mean, with your success in the limited format at Grand Prix Toronto, how do you feel that this is going to impact the limited format moving forward?
1: Um, Well, it's hard to really tell. Um, I'll, I'll have to see what the new packs look like. Uh, with the whole pre-release being the split faction packs, it's hard to really get a gauge on the limited format based on, you know, what the, the set, the, the distributions will be, how um, how heavy the infect count is going to be in each pack. Um, also, you know, it, it's really hard to get a gauge for the new um, reverse rotation for drafting, like doing MBS before uh, scars. So, I mean, once, once I get a couple of those drafts, like, maybe then I'll be able to have an opinion, but as of right now, I'm kind of... In the dark, I guess, as most people are. Okay,
0: and uh, what about you? So, uh, did you have a chance to play any flights or anything today, or what? Uh, I played one. I played the fifth
2: flight, I think it was. I four would I was mono red. Splash Sported in divine offering. Two divine offerings every match, just because. <laughs> just because I played against decks every round, like I, I, I... because you missed both. Well, kind of. <laughs> like, like I basically did it on the gambit that like I didn't want to have them against the poison decks, so. You got you've got living weapons, you know, you can you can always hit something. And Divine Offering uh, I didn't say I didn't miss build. I just well, said I had a reason and it might have been wrong, sure.
1: but it's the pre release. So. I find I find that especially with the fraction packs, you're really, really high on playables. Like right? so, I, I find that you are in this format in general though, like
2: especially six pack fields, you always have a ton of playables. Unless your pool is just garbage. Like But like it's so much different with the faction packs as a, compared to normal packs because you either get like, like with and you either have like his awesome impact deck or you just have shit. Or whereas with Mirren, you have like, like he built a deck that was mono red today. I built a deck that was mono red today. When I was laying it out, my red white deck was nearly like forty cards deep. Like yeah. you now.
0: So you you guys both play Mirren then one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, uh, I ended up pulling a Phyrexian first round and got that sort of same situation. I pulled absolute stone nuts in terms of infect cards out of the faction packs, and I got almost nothing in terms of, you know, the actual support from Scar. So was obviously the split 80-20 was sort of what influenced you to look for Mirren
1: as your faction to go with today? Um, I actually just, well, I was gunslinging today. I wasn't playing in a fight. Um, but I just asked the TO, I asked Marv, like, what, what, what packs did you have the most of? And I guess people were going straight for Phyrexian, so I, I bucked the trend and and, uh, and and played Mirren. And yeah, I ended up with Mono Red. Um, I don't, like, my deck wasn't very tricksy. It was just equipment and and random duders. Um, I did have four rares, so that kind of helped. Um, cool. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah, it was fun. Like, I had, I had a really good time. It was my first time gunslinging, too. And um, it's much more fun than actually. Playing, I find, and playing in the flight. It's a lot less stress in your environment. It's a, lot less I mean,
2: it's a pre-release and it's fun, but I mean, when you're at a certain level, you want to win regardless. Like, I mean, yeah, you're coming. If you lose, you're not gonna like rage and just shit all over everyone. But at the same
1: time, like, you want to win. You're a competitive player. Yeah, but it, it's nice. It's nice to be able to play with no with no consequence. Um, being, you know, I, I, I'm at like Phil is over 2K now. I'm, I'm at 2117. And to play in any match, like, for me to lose, like, it it hurts, you know? Um, Not donating the points, quote-unquote. But um, at this point, I've still got Terrace to go, but I need to, you know, sort of protect my rating so I can try and stay top 100 to queue for Nagoya as well. Mm -hmm. And that that really sucks when you have to sit on your rating because I love playing Magic. I used to play two, three sanctioned events a week. And, you know, having to sit on rating... Kind of sucks, and not being able to play a lot of limited outside of Magic Online. Um, so it was nice to have you know gun opportunities, opportunity, so I can just play limited, have fun, just kind of shoot the shit with uh, random people at, you know from Toronto, which you know most of these people I haven't met before. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know play some good games of Magic and meet you know meet new people.
0: Nice good. Yeah, it was just fun to like actually
2: come up here to Toronto for the weekend. I mean, yeah. we both live in Ottawa, so so it's a bit of a five-hour drive. But I mean, we've been around enough that we. We you know a few people and so it's good to see the people you don't get to see every week twice mm-hmm. a week three times a week it's just good to get out and actually see your friends that you don't always get to see it. so that's, that's why I jumped on the opportunity I was like doesn't I don't gain anything from coming up here I'm not gunsling I'm just playing in the tournament mm-hmm. I'm just coming up for a good time on Mars dime. well I mean that helps <laughs> but I mean I probably wouldn't have come up here the hotel and the right, rental right. car wasn't paid for but yeah. I mean yeah.
0: So so I guess real quick I mean you mentioned that, you know, Paris, Nagoya, and all these things going, so, I mean, are you officially a professional player now? Like, are you doing this for a living? Are you doing this kind of part-time in a part-time job? Or, like, I, I gotta ask, because it's it's really interesting to
1: me how, yeah. you know, the pro-tour lifestyle really is, you know? Well, I, I, I'm not one to ask about the pro-tour lifestyle. I'm just kind of learning the ropes myself. I'm by no means a lock, so I'm, I'm only level two at the moment. I'm kind of... Starving for points, but I need to. I need. I would need to. Uh, I think either top eight the Pro Tour in Paris or win the GP in Paris in order to lock up level four, so to lock myself for the, all the Pro Tours this Still the have season. a ton of time for that though. Uh, that's in two weeks. No, no, no. Like it locks the level four to get to
2: twenty-five. Locks yeah, if it in I, I if
1: I want to use my ten from GP Toronto. Yeah, lock it in May though. Yeah, I looked it up. Oh, okay either way um, the pro tour lifestyle is something that you know I've always wanted I've always you know sort of been curious about it envy you know even but um, you know I, I didn't think I'd, I'd ever really get there um, it, it just goes to prove that you know a little bit of perseverance you just need you just need to catch a break you know yeah you, you need to get lucky you need to catch a lot of breaks yeah, yeah
0: a lot but of things I mean, have that's to go your way
1: it. a lot of things have to go your way but at that point um, you know once you're on once you've caught that break, once you've won that first PTQ, once you've top sixteen that GP, however you get there, um, it's not—it's like a drug. You, it, get, it is you, get like one, you get your first hit, and
2: you—you
1: yeah. you never want to get off. I, absolutely. Like when I went to Japan, man, I—I I am going to every possible event. I just flew to Atlanta last week and finished 17th obviously uh, missing my invite for Nagoya mm-hmm. but um, coming back from Chiba in worlds uh, last year I was dead set on queuing for Nagoya the country is just fascinating I you know, getting next week I'm going to Paris with my girlfriends we're gonna spend some time you know but all the traveling getting to play at such a high level and winning money to fuel the traveling and doing all that it's it, it is addictive it is like a drug yeah. It's like I just can't wait to do more, and and falling off the train is gonna hurt. You know, if if I don't get a nice performance in the next couple of months or whatever, uh, it's gonna hurt because I've really enjoyed doing what I'm doing. So we'll see. I'll keep my fingers crossed. test a lot. Huh.
0: Nice. So what about? Wh- I'm gonna come back to that testing actually in a minute. Yeah. So and yeah. so what about you? Like uh, you obviously you've got a, a sick ass rating as far as you know Canadian ratings go. I mean you're pretty much locked for all the national competitions and stuff like that. So I mean KYT got in last. National's at like 19 or something on invite, so I mean you're obviously kicking the shit out of that kid. So I mean like, talk, talk to me a little bit about what what your aspirations are and how you're working towards that.
2: Well, like last year I got in on rating by exactly one point, so like, but I, I gained 150 points last week. Top 16, top 16 in Atlanta, are rating 20 45 right now. So I mean like I have three points from Atlanta, so like my whole reason to go to Atlanta was to see if I would have a good start to the year and see like if I could actually make a chase for anything but I mean if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't I'm going to be traveling a lot like that's the plan like I'm planning on going to Dallas Um, get a job first well yeah (laughs) Um, like Providence is drivable yeah Pittsburgh and the PT and Stilly are drivable Montreal two hours away like so I have plenty of opportunities I'm currently qualified for Nagoya don't know if I'm going to make it or not but that's a yeah, of a trick. Yeah. But, I mean, like, we're, we're I mean, you got to give it a shot at some point if that's what you actually want to do. Like, you can't just let it happen. Like, you have to make it happen. Yeah. And, like, people, we're, we're like, in my opinion, people sometimes feel like, like, I feel like they think that it's going to come to them, and it's not. Because you have to put yourself in all the tournaments right. and put in the work to be prepared and I mean like John
1: said you have to, you have to be very lucky to win a tournament yeah. but the, the same thing applies in reverse almost like there's some people who do put in the work and some people who do put in all the effort and then just don't catch that break and you know it, it's hard to not feel like you know sort of sad for those people because I know a lot of people who put in the work you know, like guys like Ben Ben here um, and he finished 18th at, at uh, GP Terong just narrowly missing his invite he's been trying for a long time Guys like Alex Hain from Montreal, yeah. I know he's finished ninth at umpteen PTQs. And, yeah. You know, there's some people who are they, they know the game, they play, they—they—they they, they really put the work they need to into the game and succeed on the on the on the pro level. Mm-hmm. And just catching that first break is, is, is really hard, and it's, and it's hard to maintain that that sense of determination to get there.
0: So, so would you would is it fair to say then that the difference between a you know long time grinder and success is quite literally get in the break
1: Add well it's, it's
2: definitely putting yourself in the position to be lucky yeah. but like I've, I've discussed this with John in the past and like I feel that the people who are at that level like like the Haynes like Ben Moyer the people who are good enough to be playing on that level even if they don't catch their break like right away they're eventually going to get there like you were, you were going to put in enough work that you were going to qualify eventually mm-hmm. like sometimes you only need one break Sometimes you're gonna qualify and, qualify and qualify and qualify until you get your break. Like I remember Jerry like five
1: PT, PTQs. Well, I, I even or... remember
2: like Jerry Thompson fell off the train. Like, yeah, he he was he's been grinding PTQs forever. Like, Waffle just yeah PTQed his you know, way back on you know, the kind of, <laughs> <laughs> Waffle, <laughs> Waffle Papa went from PTQs to level eight. Yeah. so I mean, yeah. I mean it happens to everyone. Like, yeah. But if you're good enough, you're gonna ca- you're gonna catch your break. You just have to keep putting yourself in the in the position to play well enough one weekend and catch all the right breaks, and then it's going to happen. But, I mean, like some people will just get lucky and they'll catch, catch, you know, lightning in a bottle for a weekend. I mean, like Johnson had a ton of work, but he just ran perfect in Toronto. Yeah. And that's what needs to happen sometimes. But, I mean, I know that he's been grinding for a while. I mean, it's not like he just came out of nowhere and won a, won a tournament out of nowhere he played like six GPTs in that tournament didn't win one yeah
1: i like, at beat it all of
2: them though like <clears throat> you have to put yourself in the position to be lucky mm-hmm. and you absolutely have to be lucky to win a tournament but it's part of it like if you're going to play really well you're going to catch the eventual break and you're going to get your breakout.
0: So okay, so luck obviously plays a big part of it as we're talking about limited, you know, it's a, it's a especially in sealed, right? So it's, it's a pool and it's it's all of that stuff, right?
2: Something in every format. It's not just
0: uh, of course. I mean, there's always there's always drawing the right cards and getting flooded, getting screwed. It's all part of the game. That's totally fine. So uh, in constructed format, i ask this real quick first.
1: Are uh, higher ratings for you guys constructed or uh, limited? Um, I think they're both about even. I'm like. Hovering around 2K in each.
0: Right now, Constructed by far. Okay. My is just about the same as my total. My limited, like, 1850. So that brings me to another interesting point. So talk to me a little bit about the importance, then, of not only being lucky and having your skill and all that stuff, but being the right deck in the room. Um, it,
2: it's huge. Like, yeah. I've been very lucky the last few tournaments. I've just basically lucked into having good decks and... Picking the right deck And just being like I really want to play this deck Like I played Red Green Valachit At Atlanta And like I can't even imagine Not playing a Valachit strategy
1: Like It's just so powerful Yeah but that That could be true for Atlanta Which it in fact was Yeah But this week If there was a GP this week I don't think Valachit Would be the best strategy Because like, I mean
2: the, I, the, the I, 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 I don't think I don't think it was The best strategy in Atlanta Either yeah, But I think it was the, I, I think it was, was The second best
1: No I still think Fairies is the best strategy debatable, but okay.
0: So, Paris
1: is what format?
0: Standard again?
1: Uh, standard. Standard. With the seeds, yeah. So it's a fresh new format. No one's going to know what they're doing going in. There, there, there have been people that said that uh, the siege will change nothing. And wow. similarly, there have been people who have said that the siege will change everything. So, <laughs> I don't know what to think right now. I, yeah, I haven't done um, as much, you know, theory work as I probably could have or should have been doing, mm-hmm. given the fact that the spoiler's been out now for, I don't know, five, four or five days. Yeah. Um, but, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to keep my ear to as close uh, as I can to, you know, Twitter or whatever other social media you uh, you young folks use nowadays. Young folks. <laughs> I don't know, I'm, I'm technologically obsolete, I think. if you're a child. <laughs> So, okay, and,
0: and so if it's standard, so you're saying that you haven't been doing a lot of brewing at this point? No. Uh, well,
2: absolutely. What about you, Phil? I, like, today was the first time I saw most of the cards. I don't really look at the spoilers that much. I like using the pre-release as, like, the experience to actually see the first cards. Oh, the casual. It's casual. It's more that, like, there's casual. been so many scenarios <laughs> where, like, the spoilers have been wrong and everyone is just, Cried and bitch like not in recent memory. Dude, there was one in this set. I don't remember what, but it was spoiled and it was on the spoiler for like three
0: or four days and then they
2: just completely changed it after it was spoiled by wizards.
1: Remember that
0: knowledge pool or whatever? I
2: don't remember the part.
0: There was a rumor that there was gonna be a fixed skull clamp. So that could have been the one that was floating around. No,
2: I know I know, right? (laughs) So how do
1: you fix that card? I, I, card I, I I can't see that
0: happening. No. So real quick then, what strategies in standard do you feel are going to benefit the most from the
1: addition of Mirrodin Siege? Um, that's a good question. Um, I I think that like you know, Peace Stands here has a pretty uh, cute little mono red deck. Um, it's a Goblin tribal deck that is surprisingly good. I'm not a big fan of the mountains, but um, that little two two warcaller guy with the battle cry, he seems to fit the deck. Um. Other than that, the cards that excite me the most, individually speaking, are, well, go for the throat, naturally. Um, you know, it's just a strictly better Doom Blade. I think Phyrexian Bat Mother is going to make a splash. Like, when you think about the fact that it, it's Juzum, but, like, way better, um, it, it, it's clearly a constructive playable finisher. Like, maybe, it's maybe not Grave Titan level, but it comes down two turns earlier. Uh, I think it blows a Persecutor out of the water as far as power level, personally speaking. So. I never liked that part, though. Well, and then you've got other guys like Thrawn and, um... I don't know. What else? Like the Sword might be okay if, like, people That sword coming. is terrible. It's terrible.
2: If <laughs> people... <laughs> I haven't really seen that. Like, I
0: mean... God, it's terrible.
2: The green zenith is really... Is like, yeah. yeah. okay, I, yeah. I'm, green like,
0: zenith is good. I, I mean, it's amazing in Valak. Valakia playing eight Prime Titans like, seems pretty good, right? Or
1: is Avengers, or whatever. You know, now you have eight battlements, right? Oh, yeah. So you're doubling your mana Um, It's the same thing. The Fauna Shaman deck have eight Fauna Shamans. Like, that, that card's really good. Um, black Sun, Zenith? I
0: think... I think that card's very good. I, I think, think um... Really? know yeah. I think it's pretty much exactly
2: what blue-black would want. Like, I think... I think you He's can... better cer- than I think there's certainly... I could certainly see a world where all the Zeniths see standard play, but I think the white, the black, and the green ones are basically, like, slam
1: dunks. When has Blaze ever been constructed playable?
2: I mean... There's been, like, a ton, there's been a ton of times like the no, fact that Exile no, Creatures it hasn't the fact uh, that Exile Creatures is vain, it's vain fire. the fact that, that is... it can rebot, that you can rebuy it like no. I, I, think it, I think that's the biggest stretch and I think the blue one is a pretty big stretch but I can certainly envision a world where you want like two copies of it I mean it's nearly essentially Beacon of Destruction which
0: saw a lot of. Stuff. Yeah. Which saw a lot. No. Of Are you kidding me? Yeah, because I. Stuff, I of... I'm. I'm really sorry, but like, you know, I really think you're alone on that one, Mana. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> I don't think gonna...
0: <laughs> the crowd that's building seems to be in consensus here. I, I don't, there. don't
2: necessarily think it's going to happen. I said I can okay, see a world fine. where it could happen. I don't think it's going
1: to happen right away, but you like you want anyway. to
2: buy my <laughs> no, I mean, no, I already have one thanks <laughs> I'll tell you mine too. No, like go even long. even
1: even the blue zenith isn't very good. Like when you think about, it, it's I just, decide. it seems worse than Jace's Ingenuity, even, and Jace's Ingenuity is is, is, is cut, like, I don't think Black is very good, because, like, what, what does it really do? Like, what does it kill? Uh, honestly, like, I, I just don't think it has that profound of an effect, and it's, like, if I mean, yeah, it kills Thrun, which Blue Black can't really kill otherwise, but, I mean... You know, isn't it just better in most cases to just drop a grave titan? That's like that's like a wrap in its own. But
0: I mean, for four mana, you can essentially wipe the board of like two like goblins, one ones, whatever, right? So like for four, it's reasonable. And in, in that case, it's superior well, to consuming me, right? Meat, and right? and, really and when thing.
1: you're staring down a primeval titan, it's going to look nice in your hand. And that's one hundred percent true. It's, it's a
2: situational card, but I mean, it's good against like the Boros decks that always want to leave leave like a fetch up, because you can just like, okay. you know, yeah, like, like or yeah, yeah. like, I don't. Yeah, I'm not saying this card is like a fucking stunner. I don't think it's going to be like. Completely, like, like change everything. But I mean, like I said, I, yeah, I certainly see it seeing
1: a fair amount of play, like, no, like one or two slots, maybe. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, for the consumer, me, can, I mean, I think the the card that excites me, like the, the the zenith that excites me the most, obviously, outside the green one for obvious reasons, is the white one. I'm I'm curious to see if um, if some sort of like ever flowing chalice based blue white deck is gonna is gonna come out, you know, and just be like, okay, well, I have uh, ten mana. And step meow oh, meow, you're dead. <laughs> like, that, that would be interesting to see, like because I know there's like you know like the proliferate deck, you know, with like the contagion class, contagion
0: class, um, limiter, whatever. A couple, yeah. a couple uh, Star City Games to ago, I know that uh, Lewis Laskin, for example, was playing a like a, a proliferate control blue white <inaudible> sort of thing. Glimmer
2: points
0: dragon and everything? Yeah, in tumble magnets and stuff, right? So clearly, if proliferate can get there in terms of a strategy, I mean, yeah, chalice is fueling these immensely huge zeniths. Yeah, who knows, now, right?
1: Now proliferate has a finish. Sure. Yeah. Like before it didn't, yeah, yeah, you can just like Sun Titan or, you know, your random Planeswalkers, but now you have a card that just flat out wins. Yes. Um, and like,
2: a, even,
1: yeah, Um. Like Even the new
2: Wrath is probably good in that deck, but like, I mean, now yeah, that you play that Wrath, it's just huge. It's just cute. It's two mana more for something that probably won't matter. I like making big men.
0: No. And, um, seems, seems good against Jade. Yeah, yeah, real
2: good. Yeah. <laughs> nice token,
0: bro. For
2: real. <laughs> Slam it in there. No. Yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, well, I mean, we even talked about this before, where we thought the white status might have a place in just normal cargo. The cargo doesn't
1: really operate on a high land count, right? Like, you, you get your little birdies... 26 or 27? 26. 26 land, which isn't a whole lot for a control deck. And, I mean, that's not your... You're, you're not trying to out-resource people. I don't like,
2: know. I'm, I'm just willing to try new cards, and I mean... Sure, you're going to get a lot of shitters, but I mean, if if you don't try new strategies, I mean, you might sleep on something that's good. I mean, I don't get the time to try everything, but I mean, I'm willing to at least like entertain the idea that something might be good. I think another the
1: the if I want to pick the the biggest card for the new set, it's 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 Green Zanith. I think the second most profound card of Lent might be the Ink, ink Moss. Yeah, so I think that card true. is going to make flashes, like big time, big time. Is is that what
0: was needed to get infect into the reasonable realm?
1: I think it's good enough in non infect deck. Yeah, I think so too. Like, I think so. Yeah. Also, like you know, you know, some people are going to play that shape a new deck. Like obviously, they're going to be like, "Wow, White steel colossus. How <laughs> can I keep this into play? Oh, ink moth colossus. next. Oh. Yeah. Like I don't know, Sh- shape a new. Combo. It, it, it's a card that's been like begging to be broken for a while, and then in this in this set alone, they've given you the two pieces you need to make it work. Yeah. All,
2: yeah. all the polymorph players of the world, yeah, and are finally getting their chance to, to return to the world. Yeah.
0: So, Maybe they don't have to play with dumb green cards.
2: No. Yeah. Or or mass polymorph. <laughs> like. Oh, oh, look, here's my 6-drop. Yeah. I just got blown out by one removal spell. Shitty.
1: And not just that. Now you have, like, a one-hit KO in Blightsteel, so, you know, it's very tempting, you know. Yeah. I really hope I don't ever have to play against that card. I, I think that deck will be a deck. Yeah. Even even in, in Paris in, in two weeks now. I now. hope it I think it'll be a deck. Hmm? Absolutely.
0: It's, it's good to play People play
1: Polymorph. So if it's,
2: it's it, going to be a deck...
0: Who's going to be slinging it? <laughs> Me. <laughs> no, I not so okay. So who is your? So I'll just ask a couple of real quick questions, both of you answer back and forth, just so you know a bit of the profile, whatever. So, John, who is the deck builder that has mostly influenced your deck building strategies today? Who's the deck builder, John? Um,
1: I don't. I don't really know. I, I kind of take an idea and and run with it. I don't. I don't know. I don't.
2: I don't. I don't. net deck. I don't. I don't follow people's you
1: know strategies. I just kind of do what I do. If I like a deck, then I'll play it. I mean, you take a net deck and you kind of brew on it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I
2: think I feel like everyone should do that. Like, like I feel like people are almost too quick to do that in some scenarios. Like a lot of people will take a deck that they've never played before and then change, like, two or three cards because they can't net deck or whatever. But then they don't, like, actually, like... I will never, like, take a deck and then change cards. Like, I'll just, like... Even if I just play it on Moto for, like, 10, 15 games, just to, like, get a feel and see what I like and what I don't like. Like, but, I mean... Everyone's different.
1: These Mm -hmm. last couple of tournaments that I've gone to, the extended ones like Worlds, where I played Mm -hmm. Affinity, and, um... And even Atlanta where I played the Naya Escapeshift with Reliquaries, um, like none of that was just like, you know, off the top of my head. Like for for the, the Reliquary Escapeshift deck, you know, uh, Dan Lantier came to me with a really sick like Wargate deck and I played that out of PTQ. Things I liked and didn't like. So over the next week I brewed up the list without blue and got to that. And uh, for Affinity, like Felix came to me with the idea at first. And then we sort of scrapped it and played like Soul Sisters White Weenie.
0: Which was <laughs> decent. Which was decent. Out fairies. You.
1: It's so good. It's so good. And then like we always scrapped it. And then we came back to it after like Noah Long and some other t- Torontonians, you know. But like, I don't know. I, I, I don't like to say, you know, like, oh, I love Conley's deck ideas. Or I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Gavin Verhey guy or something, you know. Like, I don't Gavin's know. I'm
2: a Conley guy. <laughs>
1: I just kind of, you know, I, if I see something I like, I, I, I play with it. I, I see what I do and don't like and make my own personal changes, whatever. And it's only been recently that I've really sort of played things that are totally off the radar. But, bef- like, for the most part, I, I you know, I kind of stay with the metagame.
2: Okay. So. Well, I mean, I've basically told anyone who listens that, I mean, if I have to pick anyone's back to play in the tournament, I'm picking up Jerry T deck. Like, I mean, I basically played his Belka deck in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, like, basically... Whenever I play any of his decks, I seem to have very good success. So, but I mean, I mean, like basically, for the most part, I like to actually just play a bunch of Magic and find out what I like. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if I had to take any one person who actually built a lot of decks and puts a lot of decks out there and say this is the person who I would put my tournament life on, it's Jerry. Nice,
0: it's Kyt as well. This is in the same boat, I know.
2: Yeah, yeah. he likes cards so much. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he's
0: my fellow SCD friends
2: bad for you buddy
0: okay. so okay so John well, you, you bring up the SCG. so let's just quickly talk about it. so talking about what it's like to be part of that boys club and I guess the Lauren Lee and the boys club uh, the
2: <laughs> Lauren Lee fan
1: club <laughs> um it all happened really fast um like after Toronto uh you know I, I just barely queued for worlds on rating I went to worlds I played the affinity deck um the, the story, the story was that um, A.O. Paquette was talking with BDM, and he was telling BDM to try and get Noah along on Deck Tech or something like that. And because he was doing really well in Worlds up to that point, and then, um, long story short, Noah told BDM to Deck Tech me instead because me and Pascal were 4-0 with Affinity. And then BDM and I were talking, and BDM was like, "Hey, you should, you should uh, talk to Steve Satan or whatever after, after the tournament. Uh, you know, he's the new content manager for SCDG, so." BDM got me in touch with Steve, and Steve's like, hey, do you want to write? And I'm like, uh, sure. I mean, it, it just, it. there was no, you know, I, I didn't really have any creds. I'd only written, like, maybe three articles for Mana Deprived um, up to that point. And, yeah, he just, off, he just straight up offered me the slot and I'm like, sure. Like, who am I to say no to write for, essentially, you know, the number one most visited magic site and That's the the, that isn't the mothership right yeah but i mean yeah and and it's been great and i've been getting a lot of really good feedback on the scd forums um i you know he's a he's a great guy like he's very positive very reinforcing so um it's a really good relationship and and like just the fact that i'm part of that team now gives me like uh you know more cred i guess uh more notoriety people recognize me where i like when i was in atlanta i had you know Lots of people just come up to me and say, "Hey, you know, nice, you know, nice to finally put a face to a to a name, and um, you know, sign a couple play mats." (laughs) But what a a baller! No, it's been really cool being part of the SDB team. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so I
0: guess as is a tradition in our uh, podcast, we always make sure that at the end of our you know time, we give shout outs to people that uh, we feel deserve it. So, I want to give each of you an opportunity to give some shout outs, and uh, I just want to thank you very much. Uh, for you guys uh, to come on board and and do some time with us that's fantastic so So, okay well I got got picked I got the short straw so I guess I get to go first Um, basically I just want to
2: throw like a lot of like everyone who sent me messages on like Facebook and Twitter about my GP finish uh, there's a lot of support lately for Canadian Magic and I think that's very important um like, everything that, like, is doing with Manager deprived, and you guys are doing with the podcast is excellent, and I just, like, everyone, in, everyone all the Canadians who did well in Atlanta, the ones who didn't who were giving us support every round, like, like I mean, it, it's kind of cliché to say, like, everything was appreciated, but, I mean, until you're in that situation, you don't realize, like, how good you feel when you've got six, seven people on your rail, and, like, you win a big match, and everyone's like, yeah, congratulations. I just feel like when you've got people on your rails, it feels so much better.
1: Nice. Yeah, I want to reiterate that too. Like, um, there's a lot of Canadians that have really taken the step forward um, and and really, you know, pushed themselves to get to that next level. Especially recently, I've seen I've seen a big like renaissance, if you will, um, of the Canadian like pro or at least pro aspiring wanna be pro community. Yeah. So I definitely want to shout out to them, um, and and obviously the KYT and and 5 and all the guys that are doing the social side of bringing the Canadian magic to the forefront. Um, aside from that, I want to give a shout out to everyone who's been working, like I said, who's been working forever to get that break, still have not caught it. Like just keep at it.
2: I'm like the people who have been it. helping us test. Like, Wait um,
1: to interrupt my shout out.
2: Yeah, well I just thought of something. So let <laughs> we'll me you it over. <laughs> no. Well, you,
1: you're already done, some No. And my. What?
2: Nothing went to the last oh.
1: oh. anyway, round. Right. No. And last but not least, uh, you know, my, my girlfriend and, and my family for uh, putting up all the bullshit how adorable. That, I, that I do. That, how anyway. adorable.
2: Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, and like, 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 you, like so. I said, like everyone who personally helped both me and John, like, you know, I didn't test much for Atlanta, but I mean, everyone was testing, like, so much between, <laughs> between the PTQ we had the week before and then Atlanta. Everyone just put in a ton of work. Like I had, I had a good, I had a good backbone to come into where I just basically picked up a deck and played, and I got very lucky. But I mean, like a lot of people are working very hard, and I mean it's just good to see. And I, like I said, I mean, it mention to what he said too, with like all the like Twitter and all the social networking. I mean, like that's that's the next that's the next wave, and I mean that's it's so important to be well networked if you're. Trying to be like at a at a higher level as far as like a competitive player. And even if you're not a competitive player, it's just nice to have those network the networking
0: around you. Like it's so important. Nice. Well, guys, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it, and uh, Thank you. hopefully you're we'll nice. we'll see you soon and uh, keep listening to the podcast. We'll do. All right, guys, thanks.